Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, it's been a while. Uh, a really long time, in fact, since we've recorded or the Bearcats have beat a local team. Uh, that being said, we've had two losses. You, you don't. You look confused. I was going to say that we've been recording this whole time. You just forgot to pay the bills and the podcast weren't uploading the way they were supposed to. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. They're in, they're, in, they're out in the ether. Oh, snap. Either way, you know what? Uh, I'm, str- I'm going to struggle to say it, man. Just look, just it's it. always great just to be a Bearcat it. fan. It's always great. But I'm 0 for 3 today. I'm 0 for 3 today. All right. First, we lose out. On color, which, which come on, let's we know USC was the thing. We also know we now know the the eleven points in the second half here. But what most people don't know is I was unable for the second day in a row to score Taylor Swift tickets. I don't care what you people say about it. That makes me zero for three today. So I'm in mourning. Eleven point second half performance by the Bearcats. What say you? Well, let's let's kind of set the table a little bit here, Hummer. We are we are hopping online after the Bearcats played their fourth basketball game of the season against Northern Kentucky on the road because of their generosity in sharing their court a few years back when the Bearcats were up were renovating, updating Fifth Third Arena. They they went on the road at Northern Kentucky and lose 64 to 51. They were up four at halftime with with a 40 to 36 lead. And as you alluded to, scored 11 points in the second half. And I think it was the first time in the history of the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program where after the game, the head coach of our basketball team was actually complaining and concerned and upset about the lack of offensive production throughout the history of our program. Huggins, Cronin, Miller. Everyone starts defense first. We we live and we die by defense. This second half was so abysmal, so inept, so atrocious that the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats actually, actually criticized it and was upset about it and said that we need to go back to the drawing board when it comes to our offensive execution. Was this the worst offensive performance you've seen from the Bearcats? Like at least half, I guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it all together and say the whole game. This is this is this was atrocious. Well, it's a complicated question, to be honest with you. We're not some dynamic offensive basketball program. We don't we don't play the beautiful style of Bellarmine hoops or the Princeton offense. Or... You love them. You love them, <laughs> guys. You don't understand. He's sending me Bellarmine hoops highlights, saying, "Watch this, magical." Like I'm I'm sending you those videos. Because from what I've seen for now four games into this season and and all of last season under the current the current head coach, Wes Miller, we don't have an offensive game plan. We do not have an offensive game plan. I would say at the start of games, you will see players making cuts. You will see the ball popping around a little bit more. As games wear on, we become stagnant. We become discombobulated. We don't seem to have a plan of attack. Our our best scoring options, our best 
threats on the offensive end seemed to disappear. You know, David DeJulius, this is another game where we really needed him down the stretch. The ball needed to be in his hands. Decision-making needed to be on his terms. And it just wasn't happening. And I think that is a symptom of a lack of clarity or a lack of effectiveness in coaching a cohesive strategy of offensive basketball. It's just not happening. And that's that's happening. That's that's applying to the new Northern Kentucky game. It's applying to the Eastern Kentucky game. It's applying to the Cleveland State game. You know, the only the only game top to bottom that was excellent from an offensive execution standpoint was when we played Chaminade High School. Otherwise, it's been rough. Can we talk about Chaminade High School for a second? I want to I want to back up before I'm going to really I want to unpack everything that you just said there. But I want to I want to start at Chaminade because I love these games. They're they're such <laughs> pump up your chest, get your uh, get your blood flowing game. Because like what was it three years ago? We're playing Thomas Moore and we dropped a hundo bag on him. And we're just like, oh, my God, this is going to be the greatest UC team in the history of teams, forgetting that, in fact, it was a high school team, essentially St. Thomas More. I vividly remember texting you, dude, Chris McNeil can kind of shoot. You see him knocking these threes down against against uh, Thomas More. This might be a thing. And you're right. These games distort your reality of what you might be expecting. And it, it hurts more that it's the first game of the season and you've you're far enough away from the end of last year where you can sort of move on past losing, you know, 11 of 13 games or whatever it was at the end of the year. Um, you're able to move past that. Finally, you've turned the page, new season starting and you see, you know, Landers, Nolly, eight of 13 to Julius, nine of 15 Adams woods, five of seven from the field, finishing at the rim, you know, Jeremiah Davenport, not shooting, you know, more than 10 shots, not being a guy who's, who's kind of jacking reckless threes and you're, and you're thinking we turned the page. Wes Miller's got time under him and he's sort of reestablished a winning culture at this program. And that's, that's what the Chaminade game did for me, for, and for every other basketball fan, I would say since that game, it's been, it's been more of the same from what we saw last year. And, and I'm just going to say, miss me, miss me with making excuses or comparisons of our talent level to that of Northern Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky or saying these, you know, our team isn't that talented. There are flaws in the roster. No doubt. There is plenty of talent on this team, this current roster in our current league with our current non-conference schedule to play much, much better basketball than we are right now. We're ripping on ripping on and harping on the defense. I'm sorry, the offense, but we are still being sliced and diced defensively we are not a lockdown team and that is supposed to be Wes Miller's strength there's a lot to clean up right now on this basketball team yeah I mean we're not we're not good at anything but this game we were just terrible like I don't know how to say like it's not like we're we're a bubble team like or that's what this team like I feel like that's like kind of what Maybe the expectation is that NCAA we're back to no. the NCAA tournament. This no, 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 no. I think but that right was now pre- that's not that, what we're seeing. That was the preseason expectation. Preseason expectation was this should be a bubble team. This should be a team competing for a play for a, a NCAA tournament spot. The way they've played, this is not a bubble team. It's not saying that. And I, I don't know. For me, it's like we're still missing the guy or a couple guys that are consistent enough to be, quote-unquote, the guys. 
where, you know, they're going to show up day in and day out either together and we blow teams off out of the water, you know, like David and Julius and Landers not like coming out and just being the guys, but they're just not quite the guy. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like we're missing a Sean Kilpatrick. Everybody misses a Sean Kilpatrick. Just someone that you can come in and rely on constantly to get you buckets when you are only scoring 11 points in the second half. I, they had eight blocks this game, eight, a much shorter, smaller, inferior talented team was blocking are bigger, faster, stronger athletes on a consistent basis tonight where we were just throwing shots up into them and no one seemed to have the answer. No one could seem to just be the guy. And you get, uh, I, I don't want to harp on him too much, but Jeremiah Davenport, you know, just chucking up threes and it started in the second half. He, he takes a shot. I'm going I'm to harp on it a little bit. He has an ugly jump shot, man. It's not ugly. It's ugly. It's not. He kicks those two feet out and he's like not square to the basket. And he's just like, it's like he's facing the crowd trying to get the, trying his to jump get the shot. pose. His jump shot is aesthetically fine. There's nothing wrong with his jump shot. In fact, when it goes in, it looks really nice. It's a swish more often than not. He's got a it nice. It goes looking... in. Everything looks nice when they go in. He's got a nice looking jump shot. Aesthetically, it's pleasing. It, there's nothing. There's no hitch. There's no, there's nothing you, that I'm unique not about, about it. it. I'm not about it. Just being a hater. I'm being a hater. It's fine. You're allowed. I'm allowed to be a hater. You're allowed, allowed to be a hater, hater right now. Hate, hate away, my friend. We just lost to Northern Kentucky by 13 points. Yeah, I know. And it's like, like, it's like the Bearcats right now. Like, I have no sense of direction of where to go to even talk. Right. Like, I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing the topics around left and right, like the ball going into the into the post, and no one wanting to come out helping a guy getting double teamed. You know, just just let him go and get get stripped. Yeah. Well, it, here's why it's difficult. It's difficult because when you forget to pay your bills and all the podcasts you record don't actually get published, people miss the context of all the praise you gave this team and all the excitement we had around it for what we were seeing early on. Like if, if we want to back up or hit the pause button on absolutely melting down because of this loss, we can talk about the fact that Landris Nolly is someone that brings a much needed element to the team where he can go down in the post, get a, get a short turnaround jumper, he does have some creativity to his game. He does have the ability to get to the free throw line. Typically, he he has, and, and I I'm going to steal this comparison from my father, uh, but we went to the Eastern Kentucky game, and and he said he reminded him a bit of Armin Kirkland. And that's both in a good and a bad way, where <laughs> length, he's tantalizing, he can shoot, he can pass, he can rebound, he can attack the hoop. He can do a lot of different things on the court, but there's also sort of this element to him where he kind of floats in and out of the game. And sometimes the talent is so tantalizing, it makes you want more. And I think that's an that's a pretty good spot-on comparison right now for what Landers Nolly is. But his arrival made David DeJulius have to carry less of a burden. And I think early on, especially those first three games, David DeJulius was incredibly effective. And he was picking his spots, and he wasn't settling only for step-back jump shots. Um, he was efficient. He had a rough game against NKU, but the reality is he seems to be in a, in a better role now as the lineup is currently constructed. I think the challenge we have, as I'm just looking at the roster today for who played, John Newman's very important to the team. And without him in the lineup, we lose a, our best wing defender, our best and most explosive athlete, someone who's not a great shooter, doesn't bring that much to the table offensively, except lack of fear, right? I remember him being very aggressive 
never showed, never wavered in terms of being able to attack the basket or take a big shot, but he was incredibly important defensively. And now we're, we're losing that for a foreseeable stretch. And then besides him, there's not a lot of, it's not a very defense oriented team. Like there's not a, there's not really a defensive post guy. Um, Vic Locken is sort of the post defender on this team. And he was the third best post defender last year. I think that the the construct kind of forces us to be more of an offensive team and Wes Miller style of coaching doesn't cater to that at all because I don't see a system and I don't see an actual plan on the court game in game out. Well, I, I think I heard him kind of allude to it that he needs to do a better job coaching. If he said that in the post game, or maybe I'm just imagining I heard that while you, while he you did. He said, he, yeah, he said, he said he needed to look inward first and foremost, and that that's, that's where he needs to start. But he also did say, and I think this is appropriate players need to look inward as well, right? Wes Miller's personality is very much of a player's coach. He's very supportive and uplifting of players. And it sort of felt like a natural response to our previous administration there's also a place for accountability and kind of laying into a guy when he's not meeting expectations. Like this is high level D one basketball. This is a team in a program that's moving into the big 12 next year. Like there are expectations for how you play. What did you call him? What, what, what kind of coach is he? A player's coach. No, 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 no. What, what's he, what's he do on the sideline? (laughs) He's a, the comparison I made after watching him, just watching him throughout the EKU game was Jason Garrett, the clapper. He was, he was just, there's so much clapping on the sideline, right? Like that's sort of like, it's, it's a squat and clap, lots of clapping. You want to see some, you want to see some yelling. You want to see some yanking off the court when you do something incredibly (laughs) stupid. You want to see him holding some players accountable. I get it. I admit it. We all get it. No, but I admit like I was raised on insane hot headed coaches who do that. So I know there's a bias there and I, <laughs> I know nothing what wrong with it. I know Look, the there's, bias. There's, I want it. There's, there, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with wanting that. I think that's fair. I also think that Wes Miller hasn't blown his goodwill. It's we're in, we're in, we're in season two. We're in season two game four. We lost a game. There's a lot of season left to be played. There's a lot of redemption to be had, right? And look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go in. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm still gonna go down the route that look. There is some talent on this team. Is there holes? Sure. Is it? Can it be a bubble team? Absolutely. We got a lot of games left to play. We played four games. A lot of games left, and a lot of opportunities to feel better about the team. This isn't. This will be the worst half of basketball we play all season. And I'm I don't have any Hopefully. wood. To, I don't have any wood to <laughs> knock on. <laughs> if it's if it. it's the it's the worst half of basketball we're gonna see all season. And that in some ways should make us feel better. It's only it's up from here. We'll never see a half of basketball in 22-23 that was as bad as what we just saw in the second half of Northern Kentucky. That should lift our spirits. I don't think we'll well, actually, ever. I, I don't. I think this might be the worst half of basketball we ever see, while the game is actually completed. Like, in order to not what, score more than eleven points in a future game, I feel like the building that they're playing in will have to collapse. A crack in the court will have to appear. Like 
they'll have to break basketball rims and backboards to the point where they just don't have any more to bring out. Uh, I just think there's a lot of things that are going to have to go wrong for us to score less than 11 points in a future, future half of basketball. Um, but on a bright spot, you were at the EC, E was it East Eastern e- Kentucky EKU. Yeah. EKU. So we played both. We played both directional Kentucky schools and we're one and one. Oh, yeah. It's, the, it's we're one and one, and and it's also important to note that you know, Northern Kentucky lost to Kent State seventy nine to fifty seven. West Miller mentioned that the matchup zone uh, that Northern Kentucky plays defensively can be difficult to to scout against and play against. I'm gonna roll I, my eyes on this. I, I guess you would, you know, Kent State handled it fine. I guess they had a whole off season to get ready for that Northern Kentucky game, but. Um, that that I'm was roll, concerning. I'm, roll, I'm, rolling my, I'm rolling my eyes on that one. Like, come on, guys. That's that to me screams. We haven't inserted the CD into the CD-ROM to upload the offense and and get it programmed. You know, like guys, this is this is basic stuff. Like, go out there and play offense. There's only so many different types of defense that can be thrown at you, right? Like that that you can't be prepared for this. And these kids have been playing like. I get it. They're young. We have some 18 year olds on the team. We also have David, the joyous, who's probably closer, close to my age by now. You know, he has to be pushing 30. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, like, you know, 24, 25, these guys have experience. Cle- like, these Cleveland guys play basketball for years. It's no, not no, like this is the first time they stepped on a court and have experienced the zone defense. Every coach wants to make the opponent they lose to or play or even beat. They want to make that opponent seem as difficult as possible. So it's, it's right. classic coach embellishment. It doesn't mean anything. It's the, you kind of made the joke, but like installing our zone defense or zone offense, like get, get out of here. Like it was fucking NK NKU. Like we could, you can do better than 51 points against NKU. Our other opponents this year, Cleveland State, for example, which really did push us at home and and made us work and looked to be the better executing team throughout most of that game. Their record right now, um, they lost to Notre Dame College, 72 to 68, Notre Dame College. Uh, Google, Google that for for folks who are not familiar. Uh, They also, they then lost to Cincinnati. They lost to Ohio, 81-70. And then they got their first victory of the year at Canisius, 58-57. all this is meant to do is show that this is this is the light part of the schedule. This is a very easy non-conference schedule that we're playing this year outside of Maui. Our next game is Maui. It gets a lot tougher against number 14, Arizona. Um, you know that game has written all over it. An upset. Hell yeah, it does. It'll be like our Illinois game from last year. <laughs> the one, the, and we're going to be like, oh my God, this team's Final Four ready. An aberration. And then we're going to play uh, NJIT, who is number 340 in Camp Pomp, and we'll promptly win by three. Paul Paul McMillan's NJIT, by the way. Paul McMillan comes Ooh. home. <laughs> Get ready. Spicy. Yeah, Hummer, I think I think you kind of made a good point, man. Like, I, It sucks that we're hopping on a podcast for the first time in a while, and it's negative, and it's watching this horrible game. And we're about to get to the second part of our horrible day as well and talk about oh, no, do, we, do we want it we can go positive real quick for a minute well i kind of tried to do that with some of the things i was excited about early what do you feel jared hensley with that just absolute beautiful reverse layup against ecu oh my god 
EKU. Big EKU, big dick Vic. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Pulling out the Larry Bird, no look behind the back assist. Oh my God, those were two of those gorgeous plays I've seen from a Bearcat in a while. Now on to reality. <laughs> Can they do it again? <laughs> before before playing NKU. And look, it's not a coincidence. We decided to jump back in the podcast game the same day that the Bearcats played Northern Kentucky, but also that, you know, top three recruit in the nation. Oh, number- don't give us more credit that we talked about doing NKU before we actually realized the. Re- the- now we knew. Come on. We knew. OK, we knew. He's right. We knew. <laughs> Isaiah Collier was making his decision today at noon and. Last weekend, he was in town to scrimmage Sycamore High School. We saw him at the football game with Wes Miller. Wes Miller was at the stadium um, at, at Sycamore High School, watching him play, watching him, you know, look amazing. Look every bit of the the number one player per 24-7 or the number four player cons- composite, depending on what services you're looking at. The guy was is an absolute force. And... Wes Miller has thrown a lot of eggs in the Isaiah Collier basket. I think that's fair to say. He's not the only guy. There's other people. No, I don't think play. I don't think it's fair to say he threw a lot of a lot no, of eggs. He, he threw he a threw lot his, of eggs he threw in his his basket hat. hummer. He threw, he threw his hat in the ring, but he also had we also have other players in that class. Okay. Rayvon Griffith has committed, not signed, and Jizzle James has committed and signed. Isaiah Collier was a was a potential he was the crown he was the crown jewel of the class the crown jewel he's literally the crown jewel of the class and would have been the crown jewel of west miller's tenure and would have basically lit an absolute he would have set a blaze cincinnati we would, in terms of, we would not have cared about the result tonight yeah i mean we would have been on fire it would have been electric but he ended I would up have deciding, i would have mentioned a score and then talked about then talked about collier for the rest of the rest of the pod like after like three seconds of talking about NKU. No, you're right. Nothing would have mattered. 22, 23 would not have mattered had Isaiah Collier committed, but alas, he, he, (laughs) the young man removed his sweatshirt and revealed that he was after all going to follow Arrington page, his teammate in Georgia out to USC, which is what folks had been expecting for months. But the last few days, the last week, you know, I think there was a crystal ball removed for USC. Like there was enough, there was, there was smoke that led us all to get our hopes up, which I, I had sort of written it off, but I admit it. Like I got hopeful after seeing him in town at the UC game, he's not coming to Cincinnati anymore. And it really was like pouring salt in the wound of this loss because we were so close, you know, throughout his entire recruitment, a lot of recruiting services knew that West Miller really had it in there. We were very much in consideration. It seems like we, you know, who knows what the deciding factors were, but there, there are no moral victories in recruiting folks. There's no moral victories in recruiting. If we don't land him, you know, it's not an a for effort kind of thing. Like we should be going after good players and trying to get good players, but you only get we credit do. for him. If you land them, like that's, that's what we it know is. Why he chose. We know, we know why he chose USC, right? Why? It's Southern California. No, no. In, in all seriousness, like let's let's take the we know NIL has impacts on everything, but let's let's take this out of the 
let's take the actual NIL deal out of the equation and let's look at what we do know. When you're I like, going out to I like the California, idea, I like the idea of taking the NIL deal out of the equation when literally NIL deals and money is the first thing that every player is asking a coach about when they meet them, meet them and their parents. That that's fair. I'm I'm only saying take that out because I'm going to point something else out in particular about USC, which is what you had pointed out in our conversations. Is that while he was out there recruit being recruited by USC, he literally met with one of the largest creative talent agencies based in Los Angeles. Yeah, CAA. He met with CAA, Creative Arts Agency, international claim, extremely well connected, opportunities abound. Right? Like it it makes a lot of sense. And on top of that, it's Southern California, right? I, we're, I was talking to some people about this before. Recruiting is UC. Like we have positives, right? We have a good staff. We have great recruiters. We have great facilities. You know, the campus is beautiful. Cincinnati is a fun city. It's still not Southern California. <laughs> like it, it isn't. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of things there. It, it makes it harder to recruit here. And so you, sound like, as you as sound like Mick Cronin. Like that, that's the way I'm upset about. Like you can't, you can't change our geography. So what, every time we go through a recruiting process, we're just going to blame the fucking sunshine. We're going to lose some, but I think we're going to, we're going to win some too. Right now. I think Mick, the other thing we're missing right now, you got me saying Mick is that Wes Miller, he lacks one thing right now, which is credibility on the large national recruiting scale for guys that are top 10 He's he misses a little. He probably doesn't have that that resume that says, "Look, this is what I've done in the past. I've taken these teams and we've won. We've gotten close to Final Fours or Elite Eights. You know, like we had we we didn't. He hasn't won a national championship. Well, as a coach, you know, he he hasn't done that. He hasn't taken kids and taken them to the into the NBA, right? He hasn't developed them like that. So. Yeah, it is going to be tougher for him to land a guy like Collier because he doesn't have the resume. But if he keeps taking shots and he, he keeps building here and we and he turns this program around into even at least a semblance of what Mick had it, he's going to land some of these guys and he'll surpass what Mick, Mick did in the uh, with his I, tenure here. It's an incredibly important point. Like that, that is so astute by you to say that realistically, like if you're just being honest about Wes Miller, if you're looking at him objectively as a player, he hasn't, he hasn't done what a player like Isaiah Collier is looking for. Like he hasn't had anyone remotely close to Collier's talent in his program before. Before coming to UC, the best recruit in West in West Miller's arsenal was Jared Hensley. Since coming to UC, he's obviously only had one recruiting class, like one true recruiting recruiting class, and he's landed you know Daniel Skillings, Josh Reed, Sage Tolentino. These are high, 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 like promising players, high upside players, but the projects like these are these are guys who are going to be three, four year players at UC. Um, these which are the we guys, need, by the way, which we need, which, which we, we need. need. Absolutely. I'm excited to have them. They're the kind of guys that he now needs to prove he can develop and he can get them to a different level of basketball. He can send a player to the NBA. He can get a player. um, in a system of basketball that really lets his talent shine through. And that's exactly what Collier is looking for. There are more, like say what you want about Andy Enfield. There's examples at USC, you know, Evan Mobley's on the Cavs now crushing it and, and playing 
really good basketball. And he's one of the most promising young players in the league. Like there are, there are examples. Um, there's probably more. I'm not, a, I'm not a historian over recent USC basketball success, but that's an incredibly important point by you. And it's why it's important now for Wes Miller to show us fans, but more importantly, show recruits that I can develop and you can come to UC. We're going to put you in all the right spots. We're going to bring out the best in your talents. We're going to, we're going to improve your weaknesses and we're going to, to maximize every single ounce of talent that you have in your body. And we can't say whether he can or can't do that. He hasn't had enough time to do it. When you don't have assistant coaching experience at a major college and instead spent 10 years coaching at UNC Greensboro, it's a different kind of game. Like he's not recruiting those same type, types of players. And so there's no nothing to really point to. You're looking for someone to basically take a blind leap of faith. And Isaiah Collier wasn't ready to take that leap of faith. I wish he was, but he wasn't. So true. And, and let's also keep in mind with Wes Miller. He's an 80s baby. All right. He, he was born in 1983. He's young. He's a young coach. So he's going to, and he's coaching his first, but yeah, like you mentioned, USC Greensboro, great, different caliber job here, different caliber. And on top of that, we're going into the best basketball league in college basketball next year. Like he's at the helm of something that's completely different than what he had at USC Greensboro. And he's young. So he's also, I think he's going through some growing pains. And that's where I'm happy to hear him say he needs to also look inward as do the players, but so does he, because there's a level of growth that he needs to take as a coach. He needs to take that, that sophomore leap and start doing and start being better. For sure. And, and just to go back to my point about USC, Evan Mobley, he's in his second year in the NBA. Onyeka Okongwu is in his third year in the NBA, another top five pick, maybe top six, something like that. Um, Isaiah Mobley, Evan Mobley's brothers in the NBA. I don't know if Kevin Porter played under Enfield. I think he might have. So you've got you've got some examples there. Like he's able to point to those stories when he has a guy like Isaiah Collier on campus to say, like, you're in LA and you're gonna be seen by all the biggest names. Um, you're gonna have a big platform to play on, although it's like it's in the Pac Ten West Coast. I guess that is what it is. There's probably no bigger platform than Big Twelve basketball next year, but we've done it. Like we've gotten a guy like you in this program, built you up put you in a position to be a top five draft pick. And that's, that's what he's looking for. Yeah. And, and, and that's what he's he looking for. Yeah. That's what he's looking for outside of the NIL component, the money component, which is real. And we should acknowledge, and it's not something we should like make jokes about like, Oh, he took the money. Yeah. They're going to keep taking the money. They should take the money. And so if we want to play in this game, you're, you're, you're wanna... not smart. You're not smart. If you're not taking the money, right? Because nothing, nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed about about going to the NBA or being successful in the NBA. There's players who are good in college who who probably won't make it at the next level, like Timmy uh, Timmy over at Gonzaga making his million dollars a year, whatever he's doing at Gonzaga. Go get it, big man. Go get it because he's probably a guy who's not going to go and thrive in the NBA. So go and get it. So for these college kids to go out there and do that right now and have the opportunity, hundred percent. I'm not going to rag on them for for quote unquote taking the bag. I think you were about to say it. We should be dropping the bag. We have to. If you want to call Penny Hardaway for his advice on how to bag drop, because now it's legal and you can do it out in the open. We can take Penny's advice on how to do it. Yeah. We don't need to, we don't need to call it bag dropping anymore. We're just like, what's your, what's your routing number? Let me wire (laughs) this over to you. We will cover the fee. Um, 
Yeah, man. Your, I think what's how, your routing number? How or, <laughs> how organized are we on the NIL side of things? And I've I've talked and poked and prodded around trying to get as much information as possible. And I think there are I think we're we're decently we're getting decently organized. Yeah, but it's slow. Like this is slow, man. If we're talking about getting organized right now, we are not organized. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard to get to the to the the bottom of real numbers. I know there's guys on the current roster making significant coin because they they were able to to kind of hear and kind of test those portal waters, talk to the right people, and and know that hey, like I've got a serious market value if I enter the portal. So what is Cincinnati able to bring to the table? so that I continue playing basketball here. Like those are the kind of conversations that are being had. Now you're recruiting guys to join the program and you're recruiting guys to stay at the program. And I don't know how much of how much of the offer to Isaiah Collier was, Hey, here's the exact, like we've secured all the funding that's required to actually get your talents here versus is Wes Miller kind of like, Hey, here's what I plan on being able to deliver or promises being able to deliver and then he's going to figure out the money side of things once Isaiah comes because he's such a big name and there'll be so much excitement that it's not going to be a problem. I don't know. Honestly, I'm not I'm not there to speak on that, but here's what we do know. He went out to USC and he talked to uh, CAA or whatever, uh, international talent agency who's very well connected to be able to make deals. And probably, if I had to guess, because of the market that LA's in, a lot of those deals probably depend on you being in a major TV market. A la LA. Uh, it's, it is. It's the world we live in. It's fine. Here's the thing. There's going to be more opportunities to come. We know we're in the mix for at least one other top five uh, you know, ranked recruit in the country for next year's class. Not Flory, Flory Badunga, who's Flory. now who just took an official visit to Bruce Pearl's Auburn program, um, and is and also UK's. being and being recruited by UK. Uh, cringe. The butthole's tight on this one. It is very, very tight. But we do, we do have his old coach. <laughs> <laughs> true, and that's that's shrewd. That's how you got to play it. I I was actually responding, and I want to <laughs> give credit to this. Michael Boston is who made me think of um, this idea of sort of reallocating capital from one recruit to another. He made the point on Twitter um, at Michael Boston, sorry, at Michael K Boston. A thought that keeps coming to mind is I'm sure the NIL package Cincinnati was offering Collier was significant. That money, or at least a decent percentage of that money should still be available to them. Wouldn't be surprised to see West try and put it to good use. I love that idea and I love that thought. I don't think that's how it's working. I, I, I think that is I, it. Do you know how it works? Do you have an idea of like what what goes into it? Is it just like a straight here's a bag if you come play for us? Because you've we've talked to the compliance people and getting we got a sense of what is what is necessary to actually happen, right? To an extent, I think that in in the, what we were talking about is very different from Isaiah Collier and what those conversations are, and so I think if you are getting promises and sort of fundraising on a player's name, I doubt that it's transferable to a completely different player. That's not to say we still don't have it's like, resources. It's like a pledge. It's like a pledge. It's, it's like, like a pledge. If Isaiah comes, I got, I got 20 grand for the kid. If he comes. Right. And this and, guy says, I got a hundred. I don't know, but man. Now, I, it's not, it's not collier anymore. 
Is my hundred grand still that? No, right. They probably haven't wired it to the account yet. But just, just as an FYI, like Collier isn't a hundred grand player. I know. I was being, we have we I, have. I was throwing out numbers. I was Hummer, out Hummer numbers. we have hundred grand players on our team right now. Yeah, we have hundred grand so- players on our team right now. Emily Bates, I'm pretty sure got about a mil from Eastern Michigan. Emily Bates got about a mil from Eastern Michigan. Collier is a completely different stratosphere. And so I sometimes think with, with regard to Michael's point, there could be some promises that are happening from the coaching staff in terms of how they're recruiting that they plan. It's like almost, it is kind of a pledge. Like here's what we're going to be able to deliver. And we're going to fill in the gaps on our, like that's not for you to worry about. We're going to have the money though. And so we can sort of figure out where the resources are coming from when that happens. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, am I explaining that? Well, I think that's, I think that's an element of the NIL world. I wish there was a way we could get a rule for NIL and all it, all it would. Yeah. It's all kosher. It's all good. All gravy. Just needs to be transparent. Schools just need to pay the players, man. That's where it's all heading. The schools are going to end up having to pay the players. It's too insane. I, it's too. You're, you're you can't regulate. Right. You can't control. It's 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 buck wild, wild wild west type it's shit. It's like let's let's be real. Like let's be real for a minute. Like we we have had not in relation to being like any kind of conglomerate or anything or like major donors, but from conversation we've had about ideas that we have had talking with compliance, they they keep saying like, well, it's not. They kind of allude to well, it's not just a straight like pay 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 the player type of thing. Like they have to be doing something of value. Okay. There has to be deals going on where they're not involving the school whatsoever, because they don't have to. So why would? Of they? course not. They're not. Yeah, they're not involving the school. Collier frankly, is probably not going to contract. Well, he probably will get something. I'm not going to speculate what he's going to get. Maybe I am. He's, he's going to get something. He's going to be in contract with USC. Their booster, the their conglomerate, whatever they have. He's a millionaire, he's bro. Also, Yes, but he's but he's also going to be working with this this talent agency who's going to book him stuff independent without having to sign a contract with the school. Yeah, basically, I said congratulations, thank you for coming here. We got this wonderful opportunity for you to star in LeBron James's next Space Jam two, right? And then he shows up and he's the bad guy in Space Jam two. I don't know. My point is, there's going to be deals made outside of that of that thing, and the schools can't regulate it. So I think you're 100 right. They're gonna have to they're they're gonna have to come up with a, a system of actually paying. The good news on that front is Bearcats are getting paid. They're getting paid. Yeah, this current roster is is oh, no, maximizing no, 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 their the players. Value. The Bearcats, the athletic department is about to be getting paid. I would assume so. Look, I think that you're going to see a lot of 31. We know they are. They got 31 million dollars that that's coming oh, from. Yes, yes, okay. And esti- estimates are topping out that once we get into the tier 3 bowl games and NCAA tournament it's going to be north of 50 million dollars. That's still shy of like the Big 10 schools and whatnot. But that's some that's enough to make some to makes to do some damage. Well, it's important we're smart. It's, it's important for the, the school, capital, right? Right. Well, the school needs to get that money and maximize it because all the money that's coming from external sources and fundraising is now going to start pipe. It's going to be funneled directly to rosters. They're 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 now running the salary cap for our teams, our football team and our basketball team. So I no, I love to see that Big Twelve contract. Um, I love I love the excited Hummer text when that came out, and and you are definitely in your Mark's corner as his biggest fan at this point. 
What did, uh, I he, think he, I think he, he's fantastic. I so think he is. Break it down. Is, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about how you feel about him and his moves since taking over as commissioner. Look, he brings something to, I'm going to say the sport as a whole. He's young. He's adventurous. And he's willing to try new things, but he's smart about it. He's not just going to do something like Elon Musk and, and, you know what? I'm going to say this. He's not going to allow people to buy the blue check mark and think it's a good idea, right? He's going to thoroughly vet his good ideas. And like, that's what he does. And so we're working on this. He gets it. He, he's like, we need to get the deal done before the PAC 12. So now that puts us in a very strong position. If he wants to poach teams from the PAC 12, because we know the PAC 12 went and tried to go and shop their rights. They haven't gotten a deal done. They're hoping that Amazon's going to come in and swoop up and, and try to give them more money than God. But here's an interesting stat the Fact 12 wasn't counting on. Do you know anybody know? Anybody know? Anybody? Any listeners know what's happened to Thursday night football viewership or NFL viewership as a whole? It decreased. Do you know why? One game a week on Amazon Prime has caused a drop in NFL viewership. Every other game across all viewerships are up or, or flat. It's it's Thursday night football. People aren't tuning into a service that locks them out by for to have to pay something that they don't want to have. The MLS is is concerned, my friend, with that Apple TV deal. Um, they are. I don't uh, honestly. I, I actually. Or are they not? Are they, do they have a different perspective on the matter? Because that's, they might. Isn't it's, the, it's isn't the, the, isn't is the that, point that they're not going to expand their market share by ha- having everything on Apple TV? I think the issue there is if you're on too many different platforms for the NFL, you have Sunday ticket. You have to, you also have to, you, if you want to watch every NFL football game, you have to have Sunday ticket. You have to have local cable. You have to have a local cable subscription or, or antennas. And then you also have to have an Amazon prime membership now. Like if you're only going to be on Apple TV and I can get every game on Apple TV with no blackout restrictions, I'm good for it. I'm good with that. But when you're talking Pac-12 still wanting to or needing necessarily to be on cable television where you're getting the most eyeballs, because let's face it, what is college sports? It's advertising for the universities, right? That's one of the biggest things that it does. Enrollment shoots up when you're good at sports. If you're locking yourself into maybe just an Amazon, you're not going to get the extra eyeballs who are just going to catch you because they're trying to bet the nine o'clock, the nine o'clock kickoff game out West. Right. Like you, you're, they're going to miss the mark, but either way, I don't think they're going to top. I don't think they're going to top what we are in terms of, uh, of comp. So watch out for an Arizona, Arizona state, Utah. Come on, baby. Going Gonzaga. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's dance. Did you hear about that one? Gonzaga. Gonzaga's I did hear about flirting. that one. I did. We're, Not just with us though. They're flirting footsie. with a lot of people. Playing footsie with Gonzaga. I would love that, dude. That would, it's bringing back vibes of the Big East. Oh, yeah. I cannot oh. wait. I cannot wait to go two and 14 in Big 12 basketball. <laughs> yeah, well, if we go two and 14, we know what, what, how many years were we in the Big East before we were in the finals? True. True. <laughs> we know we'll be back, baby. <laughs> I, hey, you made a really good point about Brett Yormark's age, and I just wanted to bring it home. Brett Yormark was on the uh, one of 40 under 40 back in 2006. Brett Yormark is like 60 years old. 
young, vibrant. Well, all right, fair. You're calling me on that. My point is the stuff he's doing isn't what you would take for like an old executive. He's getting out there and he's he's like looking to sign a partnership like the Big Ten just did with if the, he didn't already do it with like DraftKings or something. He's Wait. he's hiring famous people to create a business. Oh, he definitely, uh, yeah, he's he's moving in a different way than other commissioners have. And it's it seems to be somewhat experimental. It's adventurous, it's bold, it's it's fast. You know, he likes to be a first mover, it seems. And uh and no one really likes no one really I don't well, people will argue if the Nets moving to Brooklyn was a good move or not. But he made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the Nets. They've got the worst season ticket sales in the NBA. They're doing great. <laughs> All right, Hummer, let's oh. let's let's wrap it up there. And we will start doing much more like rapid, shorter, hard-hitting episodes here. And we're also going to do this the Twitter spaces thing again. I love Twitter spaces. We could have done that tonight. We could have. We'll do it next time. But let's let's wrap it up there, my friend. I'll get this posted and blast it out. And um you know, I'm glad you finally updated the credit card number and welcome. We're we're happy to be back. And I hope that all our future basketball episodes are much happier than tonight's was. Yeah, go, go, go over to 513 shirts, spend, spend some dough, buy some non-Cincy slang and branded shirts, but buy some Cincy slang and branded shirts, help keep the lights on over here so we can keep paying for the website that we've rarely used the podcast hosting service that we haven't been uploading. Sorry, that have been holding our podcast hostage. (laughs) Absolutely. We're some broke boys over here. Buy some swag. See you, buddy. See ya.